You're listening to Men in Balance Radio, and we're talking now with David Delk, who's the uh, president and co-CEO of Man in the Mirror. Welcome, David. Thanks so much, Jerry. It's great to be with you today. Thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about Man in the Mirror and the organization. I know it's been around for a while, and in fact, I suspect it was my first exposure to men's issues years ago, and of course, Patrick Morley and all the work he's done. So maybe you could give us sort of a thumbnail of the organization, uh, its history, and where we are now with it, and then I'll talk to you about some other issues. Sure, absolutely. I would love to. Well, 27 years ago, uh, Pat Morley, as a businessman here in Orlando, Florida, felt led to gather with some other guys and start a Bible study for men. Uh, meets every Friday morning, and it's, it still meets today, just, just north of downtown, if, uh, if you're ever in Orlando. Love to have you join me, join us. And out of that, uh, he wrote the book, The Man in the Mirror. And that kind of began uh, a process of being able to interact with men and, and also churches around the issues related to discipling men. And, and so, of course, lots of evolution and changes over the years. But our real focus is, is helping local churches disciple men. Yeah. And my recollection is that Patrick Morley was in the real estate business, which went south, and he was really sort of looking for something to do when all of this began, right? Well, his uh, one of his great statements is, you know, when things were going great, uh, people he could tell people looked at him and said, "Wow, you know, he, you're really blessed." But uh, of course, he felt cursed because he knew in his heart he was kind of trapped in his materialism and he was trapped in the success. And and then as things started to go south, and then he had to work his way out of that, uh, people would say, "Oh, wow, what did you do? You know, yeah, really. <laughs> why is God against you?" And and he felt so blessed because that was when God really reached into his life and transformed him from the inside out. And I think one of the uh, credits that I will always give to Pat is helping to identify, I think, what was 24 maybe big issues that men wrestle with. And uh, we keep copies of your book on hand to give out to men, and I'm sure you make them available as well. But it's just a great collection of the issues that uh, men typically face. Well, you know, it has been a wonderful book, and, and over 3 million of those are are out there now. And uh, there is going to be, you're going to hear it here first, there will be a 25th uh, anniversary edition that will be coming out with some uh, updates and tweaks and those kinds of things. So, um, but yeah, it's been a great resource. So many men connect with it because, you know, Pat does a great job of, of kind of um, speaking to where men really are, where they really live, you know, in their work life and their family life. And, and he just uh, really kind of speaks men's language. That's great. Um, I know that you stay on the road a lot dealing with uh, discipling men through church groups and this sort of thing, and consequently you uh, are very much exposed to the issues that are on men's hearts these days. Can you maybe give us um, maybe a brief summary of what you think are the big-ticket items that are on men's minds today? Well, I think a lot of guys are uh, confused uh, and distracted, and um they're confused when they're more thoughtful and they're distracted the rest of the time. You know, we've created this culture that's got uh, so many things going on, from our smartphones and tablets to uh, unbelievable leisure opportunities to, you know, all kinds of work pressures, especially in the economy the way it is. And and uh, and then, of course, the family life and, and kids and, you know, all the choices they have for things they can be involved in. And so I think uh, I think guys uh, kind of anesthetize themselves using whatever it is to uh, sort of get through, and and then when they when that wears off a little bit, they think you know is this really all there is 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 uh, 
is this what I was made for? And I don't think our culture is doing a very good job of giving guys a real vision for authentic manhood uh, that calls them forward and, and certainly helps them become what God intended them to be. Wow, you just said a mouthful there, so I want to go back and sort of uh, tease out some of that. So so really, um, in this culture today, men are, they have a lot of expectations placed on them, and it sounds like that sometimes when uh, they are not feeling like they have been up to the task on that, maybe they uh, find distractions through things that are not healthy for them, and those can range from work to alcohol to pornography or whatever else. Is that sort of a summary? Yeah, absolutely. You think about all the different things that we have that can uh, fill our time uh, and that are fun and interesting and exciting and all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, we just we continue to invent more and more uh, toys and, and more and more things to do. And uh, and so guys are, you know, there's so much excitement around hunting and so much excitement around college football and you know, why are guys so excited about these things? Well, yeah, they're fun, but we we probably, if we took a step back, we would probably all agree that it's maybe a little out of proportion to how much fun they are, uh, you know, how, how, how significantly guys feel about it and how they argue about it and how they, you know, prioritize around it. Um, it's because men want to give their hearts to something. They want to worship something. They want to believe in something. And when the church doesn't call men to true greatness and to a big vision, then guys are going to find something else to give their lives and hearts to. So so it sounds like we're saying the church has not done enough in terms of men, and yet one of the statistics that I keep running across is that fewer than 10% of churches have a viable men's ministry. And I know in my own experience that I've been in churches where We've tried really hard to get a good men's ministry going, and it lasts for a while, and then it sort of peters out. What's what's up with that? Well, you know, that's really what we focused on in, in our in our organization, and um, the whole no man left behind uh, model and strategy that we work with leaders on. Uh, it really a couple points that that we think are, are absolutely key, and one of them it relates to that idea of vision. You know, men want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, they want to believe that. Their contribution is going to matter. Um, and it's the days of, of guys coming to a breakfast because it's on the calendar, mm, you know, those, those are gone. Uh, you know, guys want to be involved in things that they believe are going to have some kind of impact. And uh, when they begin to see that impact and feel that impact in their own life or their family or their community or their church, you know, they, they get excited about it. And you, you have, there are thriving men's discipleship uh, ministries in churches across the country where this is happening because guys get excited about seeing God do something real in their lives and the lives of people in their community. Okay, I, I will grant you that is true, and, I, and I'm sure that, um, that I've seen some of that myself. But um, it seems difficult to get men's attention uh, when they're distracted by, as you said, all the toys and things that are out there, plus the family's demands that um, you know they want more and more time from the man of the family, and yet so does his job, and so it's it's really a tough environment. Oh, it it absolutely is, and we have uh, a couple things on uh, that I would mention related to that. One is just that you know if you think historically what's happened in the church, I believe we we were dealing with spiritual warfare, and this spiritual warfare takes on a very subtle and insidious kind of um, slant. Okay, you think about most men are are noble; they're fairly noble 
creatures. I mean, if you get married and if you have kids, I don't know any man, I'm never spending time with any man who says, you know, I want my wife to be miserable. Or, you know, I hope my kids, you know, grow up to be failures. I mean, nobody thinks that, right? So when they go to church, what are, what are guys thinking about? They're saying, oh, well, I want the church to do something for my kids. Oh, I want the church to do something for my wife. And we would all agree, well, gosh, that's, that's a noble thing. That's a good thing. So what did churches do? Well, you know, in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you know, we, they hired youth pastors, and, and we did youth programs and children's programs, and, and men were happy because, hey, my kids are getting taken care of. Unknowingly, kind of outsourcing that, so now I don't have to do it anymore. I'm paying them to do it. Um, and now then the women's ministries, you know, came along and, and picked that up, and so guys are like, great, you know, now my wife's taken care of. And so what happened is this spiritual battle is this, this noble idea that men want to make sure their wives and their children are taken care of has turned into this idea that, hey, I can send my wife and my child to church, and I don't need anything for myself. They're taken care of. I'll sit over here and just watch. And, of course, that's led to this unbelievable spiritual decline among men that we're seeing in our country today. Hmm. Um, there have been all sorts of statistics tossed around about that, and, and one of them that's on our website from the survey that we did was how many men feel like they're just going through the motions in church. And that is so tragic when you realize all this manpower that's there and available and um, harnessed and ready to go to work, and yet it's not being brought in. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think part of that is that, that again, this idea of giving guys a real sense of, of vision uh, and also community. You know, one of the things that we find that, that men uh, really want to be a part of something. And if we can create an environment in our church that doesn't, that doesn't set the men's ministry off to the side as another thing that the men have to come do, but instead if we realize that any interaction our church is having with a man, whether it's through couples ministry or children's events or sports or a praise band or the choir or whatever it is, those are all opportunities for ministry and can be part of a discipleship process then all of a sudden we can help all the men of our church feel like, hey, we're all in this thing together. And that has a, a very different kind of atmosphere that gets created when that, when that happens within, a, within the life of a church. And some of the programs you do, I, I, I think I'm right in that you call some of those r rallies, I guess, uh, when you get a group of guys together and uh, get them sort of channeled toward uh, paying attention to what the church is offering, what do you find really motivates them and what, what turns them on to make them want to get more of that? Well, I think the, the, the most important thing for getting guys to engage in anything is a personal invitation. Life-on-life um, -life discipleship is ultimately what this all has to come down to. And, and you know, that's part of the issue that we have with, the, with sort of the program and activity-oriented approach that many churches take to their men. Um, you know, we just throw out some activities and programs, and we hope somehow men find their way into them. And of course, the reality is that most men are not going to do that. Um, you know, most men are going to sit on the sidelines and, and watch and, until another guy engages them relationally, becomes their friend, and then invites them to go with them to take a next step forward in their in their walk with Christ. And so one of the things we encourage leadership teams to do is really create groups of allies in the church, men who believe in the vision, who can come alongside other men, find out where they are in their spiritual journey, and then literally uh, engage them and help them move forward 
um, in that life-on-life kind of way rather than just, you know, listing things in the bulletin and hoping guys will sign up for it. I don't know if your experience echoes this or not, but I have found that women who find out about a program that we might be offering are pretty good recruiters at getting their men there when the men don't sign up themselves. Have you found that or not? Oh, absolutely, and you know, especially when you understand this all-inclusive kind of mentality that, hey, we're not trying to create a men's ministry. We're trying to disciple men wherever they are. Uh, you know, women love that because now they realize, hey, we're, our couples groups are going to be part of this process, and, and our women's events are going to be opportunities for maybe men to step up for service or step up for leadership. Um, and so they become uh, huge allies for uh, ministry to men in the church. And, of course, they, they want their men to, st- to become godly, more godly husbands, uh, fathers, and, and workers, and all those things as well. So they're, they're very naturally interested and in, in invested in what's happening uh, through the ministry to men. You know, I found a, a, um, an unusual, I'd say creative, approach at one church that I visited recently, uh, and it had probably more men in attendance for this program than any that I've been at before. And the reason was that they have the men's program and the women's program on the same Sunday morning. They eat breakfast together, and then they go their separate ways for the meeting. But the fact that uh, both parties had to already be there really seemed to boost the attendance. I, I thought that was a really creative idea. Well, it is a great idea. And, you know, one of the the, the keys to this, again, this all-inclusive idea is, is that we – really help leaders think through is that, hey, disciple men at the things they're already at rather than begging them to add something else to their schedule. So if they're already coaching a, uh, you know, a soccer team for, for, for you know, elementary school boys, uh, you know, how can you disciple those coaches? Yeah. You know, what can you do to encourage them? How can you help the ushers? What could you do for the, the guys in the, that are singing in the choir or the men that are in a, in a couple's Sunday school class? Uh, because, hey, they're already there. Let's disciple them where they are. And, and yeah, uh, you know, we're going to need to, at some point, provide things for guys where they can be just with men or, you know, go on retreats or do service projects or be in groups or whatever. But let's build a discipleship process that takes into account all the different ways that men are involved in our church. Are you a big believer in uh, accountability partners, or is that uh, sort of passe, or...? How do you see that? I'm a, I'm a, I am a, a huge believer in accountability done well and done, done in relationship. Um, I think that the, the issue that we can have with some of the versions of accountability is it's very performance-oriented, um, where we can sort of count the, you know, how many times did I read my Bible and, you know, did I, um, you know, did I raise my voice with my kids, and, you know, those kind of things, which obviously are important, but they're important as they reflect what's going on in my heart. And sometimes accountability that, that stops at that performance level uh, can actually teach men to kind of hide from each other. Um, you know, as long as I do these things, I won't have to tell you what I'm really thinking. I won't so have they to won't tell get you what up. I'm really going on. Yeah, you know? so they don't get scolded, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, and you know, the, the scriptures say man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. And ultimately what we find in working with guys is, you know, they may be able to, through willpower, sort of behave their way, um, to look really great for, you know, a year or five years or, or ten years. But, boy, ultimately what's, what's in the heart is what's going to come out. And if we don't, if we don't help guys understand, um, you know, what's happening at, at that deep level of what they love and what they worship and what they're looking to for meaning or purpose or satisfaction, you know, these distractions we talked about, 
if we don't help guys think about what what, what their hearts are, are, are doing, then then we're really missing the boat, and we're really missing the opportunity that the gospel truly presents. You know, I really am optimistic about men's ministry overall, uh, in spite of the bad numbers that uh, some churches report. But I, the thing that I would like to do better is to figure out what uh, why is it that men need to have a sort of event or a speed bump in their life before they pay more attention to their spiritual side? Uh, I don't know if you've got a comment on that or not. Well, you know, I just I think we see it in the scriptures, you know. I mean, we see over and over again guys who come to some kind of dramatic point of, of turning. You know, you think about uh, David with Bathsheba and Nathan, and you think about uh, Saul on the road to Damascus, and, you know, you think about... Uh, uh, Abraham with uh, you know with Isaac. I mean, there's these there's these crucial junctions that um, God seems to use. So I, I don't know. I mean, I I think there are there there certainly would be more men that if we were going after them, engaging them in relationships and and showing them a, a better way, then then probably we could catch them earlier and and um, and maybe help them say, hey, you don't have to ruin a wife and a couple of good children before yeah, you figure right. this out. Um, but at the same time, I think God does clearly speak uh, powerfully through through pain, through suffering, through uh, difficult circumstances, and we certainly need to be be active in coming alongside men at those at those times. Yes, and I would also assume that you are very supportive of mentors, uh, and and maybe even for a man to be assertive enough to go seek out a mentor if he feels he needs that. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that. I think many young guys are very open to today, um, and I don't. I don't think that uh, folks that are my generation or even a little older really understand. Um, you know, the guys in their twenties that I deal with are so eager. Um, whether it's business, you know, think about the business environment right now. It's tough, and if you can uh, take a young guy under your wing and say, "Hey, uh, let's get together. Let's talk about your job. Let's talk about uh, your company. Let's talk about what you want to do. You know, professionally." maybe a young man that doesn't have a job, and um, and spend some time with them. They are very, very open to that, and that's a, an incredible ministry opportunity uh, for those who've, you know, been, been through some things and seen some things and have some wisdom to pass on. Yeah. Well, David, our time is up, but I certainly have enjoyed talking to you. I think uh, it's it's always good to talk about what works with men, especially in men's ministry programs, and uh, appreciate all the work that you're doing, and thank you for being with us today. Fantastic. Thank you, Jerry. I was glad to do it. And uh, if folks want to learn anything more, they can uh, go to the Man in the Mirror website. And then particularly, if they're interested in that No Man Left Behind model, uh, you can just Google that, uh, No Man Left Behind or Men's Ministry uh, tool. And, uh, of course, lots of information there on our website as well. Oh, David, thank you so much for being on us. David Delk, who's the president of Man in the Mirror, president and co-CEO of Man in the Mirror. Thanks for being on. This is Jerry Hancock from Men in Balance Radio.